0: You are Locked on Packers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports and for Sided. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Friday, our final show of the week, and we're going to be looking back at the tight end Position. We've gone through a number of these offseason reviews of key positions, and this is our first offensive position. It is the one that I think most Packer fans would agree is the biggest, most glaring need. I don't know if it's the biggest need. It's the most glaring need. Number one, because the the player that the Packers signed with the most gusto last offseason to fill this role was Martellus Bennett. He does not play in Green Bay anymore. And Richard Rodgers, who was drafted a couple years ago to be the heir apparent to JerMichael Finley, is not that even close. And he may not even be on the team next year either. He's an unrestricted free agent this offseason, and it's hard for me to see Green Bay bringing him back. Lance Kendricks is the last guy. So is he on this team? Is he not? Here's the thing about the offseason grades. This is going to be like Oprah. You get an F, you get an F, everyone gets an F. It was atrocious this season, the tight end position. So here's the problem, okay? Number one, Martellus Bennett is a very good blocker and was supposed to be a very good receiver, except he was only like half of those things last year, half of one of those things. He was a decent blocker. And he was a net negative in the passing game. He was terrible. Terrible. Couldn't catch the ball. The worst drop rate in the league. He was awful for the Packers. And obviously that when you sign him to a, a serious contract in the offseason, that's not what you're looking for. And, and and here's where I need to back up for just a second, because there's a lot of fans over the last couple of weeks that have been in my mentions on Twitter about Jared Cook, and they should have re-signed him, just as a reminder of what happened there. The Packers made Cook an offer, and his agent said, we're good, we're going to go get more money in free agency, which is their right. Then... They couldn't find that money in free agency. And in the meantime, the Packers went to Martellus Bennett and said, hey, Martellus, why don't you come on board? He said, chill, signed his deal, and that's it. And what happened was Jared Cook ended up signing for less money in Oakland than the Packers reportedly offered him. What happened was not that the Packers didn't try to bring him back. They did. His agent botched a negotiation, cost his players some leverage, and as a result, the Packers went elsewhere. They could not have predicted that Martellus Bennett would, would be hurt and washed because he was, he was good two years ago. He was good in 2016 for the Patriots. Obviously, his inglorious exit does not add to what ended up being a very ugly marriage for the Packers. But one of the things that they did last offseason was also go and get another move tight end in Lance Kendricks. Here's the problem. He was also bad. He was was a zero in the passing game. And when Martellus Bennett left and Kendricks was given the reins to the offense in terms of the tight end position, he was bad too. I mean, that Vikings game, he dropped... A walk-in touchdown, he dropped a couple other ugly passes right in his hands. I liked Lance Kendricks. I thought that was a great signing when the Packers made it. An undervalued asset coming from a bad offensive team with all kinds of dysfunction and no quarterback, but coming off the best, most productive season of his career, and now he gets to play with Aaron Rodgers? That seemed like a no-brainer to me. Obviously, he had to play most of the season with Brett Hundley, but if you can't catch passes right in your hands... That's a problem. Richard Rodgers, relegated to third string duty, could do very little to make up ground here. He's just not very good and has never been. Aaron Rodgers made him look better than he was. This is a guy who is is big and yet doesn't run over anyone, tries to run around everyone and, and has made someone miss in his career. Like, I can count on one hand the number of times he's actually made someone miss. But every time he catches the ball, he wants to juke someone. I don't understand it. Richard Rodgers, hero for what happened to Detroit on the Hail Mary. Amazing play. He had a, a huge season in terms of touchdowns that year. But let's not pretend like he was a good player. He wasn't. He still isn't. And he probably won't be on this team next year. The Packers need a total revamp of that position and and Kendricks will probably be back obviously Bennett is is already somewhere else I expect Richard Rodgers will not be on this team and they need to get better Aaron Rodgers won the MVP in 2014 and that offense was excellent with a rookie in that position when it was Richard Rodgers he was good enough But we saw last year in the second half and in the beginning of the year what this offense can be when they have a quality move tight end. Getting that player could be the difference in being a good team and a great team for the Green Bay Packers. Before I move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge Giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. And I've gotten some questions about this. This this promotion runs network-wide. The entire Locked On Podcast Network, that's every NBA, every NFL team, participates in this giveaway. So every week, someone is winning. Unfortunately for us, there has not been a Packer fan who has won this giveaway yet. Believe me, I will let you know when that happens. But that doesn't mean stop putting in reviews because you will be entered. Once you've put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, preferably with a five-star review, you're entered. That's it. You're in the mix. So even if you entered your review a year ago, six months ago, three months ago, two days ago, whatever... You are in the mix. You are entered to win. So do it. It is easy. Name, Twitter handle, in a review of this podcast on iTunes. So the second part of of these reviews that I've been doing have been the free agents involved in potentially adding to the Packers roster. Now, before we get there, I think it's important that we look at what is an important trait In playing tight end for this team, the Packers last year did not need help in the red zone scoring. And that's not because Martellus Bennett was great or Lance Kendricks was great or Richard Rodgers was great. No, Aaron Rodgers was great and they had tremendous play design and execution in the red zone. And Rodgers and Jordy Nelson have a connection that needs to be studied by modern psychiatric science. They don't need help when it comes to scoring in the red zone. Now, this has been a problem in the past for the Packers offense. They have not always been a great red zone offense. They've settled for field goals more often than you would like in years past. But given where this offense is and and what it's going to look like in, in all likelihood in 2018, they don't need a guy to come in and just be a red zone target. Now, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't benefit from having a big body at tight end who can go in and win contested catches and get open. But that's that's not what you're going to pay top dollar for. So if you're looking at this group of tight ends in free agency, there's four names here that I think are are on the minds of Packers fans. Jimmy Graham, Tyler Eifert, Trey Burton, Austin, Safarian, Jenkins. Jimmy Graham no longer... A middle of the field stretch the defense player. He's just not that guy, not at his age, with his with his athleticism. That's just not what he does anymore, and I, I think that just takes him out of the running in Green Bay. If he's willing to to come in and play at four or five million dollars, maybe it makes sense. Maybe, but the Packers are you know they they have a short cap. So if they're going to allocate resources to free agency, this just that's just not the place that I think it makes sense for them to allocate resources. Tyler Eifert is a younger player, a former Pro Bowl player, 6'6", 255, a red zone monster, but can be more. The problem is he's coming off serious injury and we don't know what the health is. So that makes it difficult to predict. What his value can be moving forward. He's only 27, will be 28 when the season opens. I don't know what the cost here is gonna be. It just, to me, that is not the move. And then the other bigger name, higher priced guy is Austin Safarian Jenkins. And the talent there out of the University of Washington was evident. He is big, he is physical, tremendous hands. He nearly ruined his life drinking. And it cost him an opportunity in Tampa Bay. He is in New York or has been in New York. He had a very good season. He is clean and sober now, apparently. Good for him. Hopefully, he's, he has his life back on track. If you're the Packers, this is very much the case of he can help us in the red zone. He is not a stretch the field, down the seam type tight end. And so how much are you willing to pay for a guy who is not that? I think of the guys that I've mentioned, Lance Kendricks is the most dynamic of that group. He didn't show it last year, of course. Played poorly. That doesn't mean he doesn't have the physical tools. He does. So the other name that is very much on the minds of Packer fans, the final name of this of this group, obviously there's, there's other players, but these are the, the ones that are that are worth discussing, Trey Burton. He's the one that threw the touchdown pass to Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. Philly special. It did the whole thing. Former quarterback at Florida. Played tight end. He is a little bit undersized, which is why he fell in the draft. He's athletic. Look, Trey Burton would be a fine addition to the Packers. They only have one tight end of any substance under contract for next year. So signing Trey Burton makes sense. It doesn't change their lives. It doesn't suddenly make this team significantly better. Trey Burton is a nice player. Long term, I don't know how much he helps this team. So if you're going to bang the table for someone, that's just not the guy. And I think for me, it makes more sense to go into the draft and say, we're going to take someone in the draft that's going to help us. A young, athletic, move tight end that we can grow with. I understand the the desire to win now with Aaron Rodgers. And and I I, I very much feel empathetic to that position. It's not necessarily how I feel, but I understand saying, look, the window is closing. It's not, as Colin Cowherd said this week, closed. Garbage. Ridiculous. But I understand if you're a Packers fan and you go, look, sign Jimmy Graham. Sign Tyler Eifert. Sign Austin Safarian Jenkins. Give him more weapons and let the Packers flourish. I understand that impulse. I just don't think it's the right way to build a team And when you look at what the Packers need, they don't need a big tight end that can't move, a big tight end that is only a red zone option. Those guys are out there. Those guys can be had for less money than you need to pay Jimmy Graham. If you just need a big body, you can just re-sign Richard Rodgers. Or you can sign Crockett Gilmore in free agency, who's also 26. Or you can, you know, maybe you think that Troy Nicholas is someone, the former Cardinals tight end. Or maybe you bring in Ed Dixon. Maybe you think Ben Watson, who's 37, has something in the tank. Maybe Virgil Green piques your interest. I don't think any of those guys make Green Bay significantly better this year, next year, or beyond. There are guys in the draft that could be that. And so if you're looking at the way that I think you should team build, Going out and signing a big money tight end doesn't make sense to me. Just doesn't. Does it it mean that they can't go out and and sign someone to a reasonable contract if they can get Trey Burton at a low number? Sure, sign him. But don't expect him to change your life. He's not going to do that. Finally, we'll look at the tight ends coming up in this draft. And there are two names that are that are most worth highlighting. Number one, Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. Number two, Dallas Godert from South Dakota State. Now, I understand that there are some criticisms out there of Mark Andrews. There was a, a report earlier this week that a scout essentially said, Well, he can't block, so he sucks. That that was more or less the assessment. Uh it was more just You know, why am I spending a top 50 pick on a guy who is not going to be an inline blocker? And I understand that criticism. By the same token, Evan Ingram is not a great inline blocker. He was a first round pick. Mark Andrews probably not going to run 4-4. Not the same sort of dexterity and athletic traits that Ingram had, but he played in the slot a ton at Oklahoma. He made safeties and corners and linebackers look silly. He is a big body. He can run. He can get open. He is exactly the kind of player the Packers could use at tight end. And at 45, he could absolutely be there and make sense. He is the kind of tight end that can change this offense because he can stretch the middle of the field. He can, he can push the seam. He can make safeties worry about the middle of the field. And when you have someone like Devontae Adams, who is so good on in-breaking routes and is going to handle underneath coverage, and you have someone like Jordy Nelson who can still get deep but can do all kinds of different things for your offense, you need someone who can work the middle of the field in the intermediate and deep areas. And so if you're going to have a tight end and you don't have receiver talent, to take the top off the defense, which Green Bay does not right now. And we're going to get into that later when we talk about receivers. There are some players in this draft and in free agency who can help with that. But you want to occupy linebackers. And you want to make safeties stay in the middle of the field because they have to cover someone. You need to move tight end. You need someone who can run, who is big who can make contested catches, who can outrun safeties in man coverage, and who certainly can outrun linebackers in man coverage. That is Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. Is he a great inline blocker? No. He wasn't asked to do that very often. Does he have the body and the strength and the frame to grow into that? Sure he does. This is why you employ coaches. That's how coaching works. He was not asked to do a thing. That doesn't mean he can't do that thing. And that doesn't mean he can't develop into being able to do that thing. This is, the, this is where a lot of people go wrong with their assessments of players. Absence of proof is not proof of absence. Just because you don't see a player do something doesn't mean he can't do it. Just because a team doesn't ask a player to do something doesn't mean he's incapable of doing it. This is why we look for traits. This is why we go beyond what we see just on tape in terms of, oh, he can run a corner route. So we know he can run a corner route. Well, if he can run a corner route, what does that mean about his game more generally? These things all have meaning. If we ask him to do something, will he do it? These are the things that you go through the pre-draft process to find out. If we ask him to block, can he block? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know because we didn't see it in college. So that that is an added variable in here. It doesn't mean he can't do it. It means he didn't do it. That is a big difference. And I'm you know, i I'm, I'm someone who thought that Evan Ingram's blocking at Ole Miss was underrated. He was asked to do it and was more effective than I think he was given credit for. And look, he became the most reliable player in the New York Giants offense last year. It doesn't matter if he only spends his time split out. If that is where he wins, if that is where he excels, split him out. Give him the best opportunity to succeed. That's what good coaches do. Do now the other tight end Dallas. I know this is going to make some Packer fans angry that a guy named Dallas is on the list from South Dakota State. He is a more complete player, similar in size, less athletic, not as fast on the top end, but a great jump ball player, tremendous hands, and he is a better inline blocker. I like Andrews better as a player overall. I think he's more dynamic, I think he is better with the ball. But there's no question Dallas is the more complete player, at least what's on tape. We know what he can do in the run game. He can block. So with the Packers, who like to go no huddle, it makes sense to say, well, we can split you out. We can put you in line. We can put you anywhere we want. We can put you in the slot. We know that you can handle all of those responsibilities. Now that said, he went to South Dakota State. So how refined is his knowledge of the game? How how high is his football IQ? These are all questions that have to be answered through the interview process, through the combine. This is why we have this whole process. If it's up to me, Mark Andrews, on my tight end list, number one, Dallas, right there. I'm just going to call him Dallas. Don't care about his last name, Dallas. Great name, Dallas. There are some guys that that could be in the mix later in the draft. Hayden Hurst, Mike Gusecki. I think the Packers should use their draft capital earlier in the draft to go after a tight end. I think they should use a second or a third round pick to do that. That means Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard. Goddard, Goddard, I don't, I'll, I'll have to look into it. I don't know which one it is, to be honest. Didn't watch a lot of South Dakota State. And when I watch these prospects, I watch them with the sound off. And, you know, I, I, when, when Mel Kiper Jr. and Todd McShay or whoever is talking about these guys, I don't, I try not to listen. I really, I, and, and it's not that I don't think they're smart. I, I do and I, and I respect them. And the reason that I'm, I'm so obsessed with the draft is because I've been watching Mel Kiper Jr. forever. I don't want their opinions to cloud my opinions because I do the work. I watch the guys. I, I study them. And so I want to form my own opinions. I don't want my opinion to be influenced, when possible, by other people. So I'll get back to you on the on the exact pronunciation. If someone knows it, hit me up. Tell me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Let me know for sure. Because listen, announcers get it wrong too. Plenty of plenty. Of, I mean, people people pronounce names wrong all the time. Giannis on the Kumpo for the Bucks. I mean, that name, he, people got that. People still get it wrong. He's an MVP candidate. So people still get it wrong. So we'll be back next week. Three podcasts: Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I like the schedule. I think it works. We're going to continue with it in the near future, in the short term, maybe the long term. We'll see how it works out. So we've got the combine coming up, free agency coming up as well. We will have more guests next week. More discussion about the draft, some discussion about free agency. I think that's something that we have to do. I want to do the combine first because that is first in the order of things. So we'll do combines, more draft talk, and then we'll get to free agency. But there's a lot more discussion to be had about the Green Bay Packers, their off-season plans. It is all on this podcast. It's at Acme Packing Company. It's at Sided. It's at FanRag NFL. It's all there. So please stay locked on packman